Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke, the Deputy Editor at BikeRadar.com, and today I'm joined by good friend and colleague, Tom Marvin, Senior Technical Editor on the Mountain Bike Side of Things here for Bike Radar and MBUK. Tom, how are you today? Hello, Jack. Um, I am okay today. Uh, there is a story behind how I am not okay, but we won't go into it. <laughs> is that something to do with the fact that this is your first debut return to the podcast after a not inconsiderable, well-earned, I might add, sabbatical? Uh, that is part of the joy of today, yeah. I've been looking forward to getting back in the pod studio. Um I listened to every single podcast that you all put out over the 12 weeks that I was off, uh, and I got FOMO because um, I like podcasts. It's great. Good. Well, you've been sorely missed by the whole Bike Radar team, and I'm sure you've been missed also by our dear listeners. Today, we're going to be getting stuck right into some of the hottest news to have landed on BikeRadar.com over the last couple of weeks. Kicking things off, we're going to talk about two new lightweight electric mountain bikes. We're then going to go on to a rather radical-looking mountain bike out of Barcelona. We're then going to be talking about discipline-specific tubeless sealant and finally wrapping things up with the new Cervelo S5. Now, Tom, we're going to get stuck right in. Tell me about the new Pivot Shuttle SL and the Trek Fuel EXE. Yes, so um, in the ever-growing world of... Uh, e-bikes and there are the new new e-bikes on a, on a weekly basis um, we are seeing more and more of these uh, lighter weight mid-powered bikes obviously it's kind of kicked off by um, Specialized's SL range you know the, the turbo level SL um, and bikes such as the Orbea Rise but we now have two new contenders on the market uh, Trex Fuel EXE uh, as he said and the Pivot Shuttle SL so the uh, let's talk about the Trek quickly. Now this is kind of interesting because they have not used one of the big motor manufacturers. They've gone to a brand called TQ. Um, it's their well TQ's first uh, e-bike motor, um, and it looks incredibly svelte. I know a lot of these bikes do look sort of pretty normal, but this one in particular mm. um, does not look e-bike like, which I think a lot of people uh, are going to appreciate. Um, so this motor comes with fifty newton meters of torque. Um, and with a 360 watt-hour battery, um, although there is a 160 watt-hour battery range extender that goes into a bottle cage. So 50 newton meters of torque is, it's a little bit higher, I believe, than the, the Spech offerings, um, but it is a little bit below 
um, that from the Fazua that we see on the pivot, um, which and is obviously quite a lot less than something like a uh, an, Shimano, an EPA or, or a yeah. Bosch CX line, whatever they're called. They're they're up at sort of between eighty and ninety newton meters, and the newton meters is you know how much torque they're able to to put through the drivetrain, giving you the drive. Um, but yeah, it's a rear wheel travel, so it's more of a trail bike, um, as a lot of these ones are. So 140 mil at the back uh, with a 150 mil fork. Um, and in terms of geometry, it comes in sort of very standard trail bike size, uh, really, shaping and, and all that sort of jazz. So it looks like a kind of normal bike. Yeah, I mean, that really, I'd recommend you have a look at it. It's the Trek Fuel EXE. Plenty coverage and first ride review of that on Bike Radar. But honestly, Looks like a normal bike, and the same can be said of the Pivot Shuttle. Yeah, so Pivot, um, they've just launched this, uh, well, kind of, was it on the 2nd? So yesterday, uh, we were recording this on a Wednesday, uh, it came out on Tuesday, um, and they've gone to Fazua. So Fazua were a motor brand that we first really saw on the EZST from Lapierre, um, and in that it was sort of like a... A motor that could be removed with its battery integrated and it had like a weird little spline thing that, that plugged into the Sort of like a BB clover area. shape, shape yeah, almost exactly, sort of like yeah. thing into the uh, BB, yeah. Um, but this is using uh, a newish motor called the uh, Fazua Ride 60. Um, and as the Ride 60 might indicate, this comes with 60 newton meters of torque. Um, and it's a sub two kilo uh, motor. Um, and uh, Pivot are launching this with a slightly bigger battery. It comes in at 430 watt hours. Um, so not only is it a bit more powerful, it's also got a bigger battery um, than that on the Trek. And also um, the lights of Lapierre, the Rise, uh, and all that. So it's actually, I think it is probably the most powerful and batteried of these mid-size, mid-weight um, bikes. And just generally, like, considering these two bikes and others that are on the market, why why have sort of lightweight e-bikes or lightweight e-mountain bikes emerged as a category of their own? They, they sit very much in the middle of sort of like what we would call a, a full fat e-bike and a, and, a, and a normal non-powered bike. Um, the, they're lighter weight, so in terms of sort of ride feel, they do feel a bit more similar to what a normal mountain bike feels like. If you've never ridden a full e-bike, you know, one with, uh, you know, we're talking now really 720 watt hour batteries uh, and a big chunky motor, they feel very different to a normal mountain bike. They've got obviously more weight in the frame, the weight is lower down, but the suspension feels incredibly smooth and stuck down, but they tend to be a little bit less lively, a little bit less agile, uh, just because of that extra weight. Whereas these mid-weight ones tend to be sort of sitting in that middle ground, really. And I think they're for the people who maybe don't, want all that power all that juice all that sort of boost up the hills but just want a little uh i think warren described it i was chatting to him about these e-road e bikes it's kind of like having someone just pushing on the small of your back That's to help nice. you up the hill um without the sort of i'm gonna say compromised feel of a full e-bike i i've ridden a lot of you know normal powered e-bikes Full and powered. Full powered, full fat. And I definitely went through a phase of being like, oh, this is rad and, and all that sort of stuff. But the, the more I ride, the more I'm like, actually, I kind of prefer how a normal bike feels. Mm. Um, and these mid-powered ones, um, you know, they're coming lighter. They're, they're, the handling is a bit more normal, shall we speak. So they're kind of there for, for that sort of thing. I think they probably work really well for, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're a rider who goes out riding with a big group of mates and maybe you, you sort of maybe struggle to keep up a little bit um, and just want that little bit of help, then they probably work really well for that. And do you think it's going to be a divergence in a kind of full uh, standalone category of its own which develops or do you think these are more likely to be what e-bikes will be in the future yeah, as a whole? Yeah, no, I, I, think, I think we will always have 
three categories of bike. I think we'll always have non-powered ones. I think we will now always have these mid-powered ones, and I think we'll always have the longer, tra- the you know, the, the bigger powered ones. And I think the way it will split is, you know, in, in terms of the two types of e-bikes, is that these mid-powered ones will probably stick towards a slightly less travel, slightly more trail orientated. And the you know the more powerful ones may be gonna you know stick with the one seventy one eighty mil you know big travel big hit uh, just because the way they you know where they really do work is is long fast rough downhills and you might as well have a bit more travel there. Mm. I think one thing that interests me particularly around the trek is that Fazio are pretty well established mm. now more you know lots on the road and gravel side as well, but with Trek adopting a new motor system now Trek's a very big brand and they're clearly confident in the system Mm. but i think it illustrates much as we said in the eurobike roundup podcast there's clearly quite a lot more uh development and possibly down the line consolidation to happen in the e-bike motor world i think this illustrates that there's definitely space for brands outside of the the big three we'll say Mm. big three to five brands in the e-bike motor world to sort of introduce these lighter weight systems and i wouldn't be surprised if the likes of Shimano, mm. Bros, well, Bros already to do, but I guess Yamaha or whoever to kind of come in with their own lower powered motors. Maybe that's the space that the much rumored and as of yet unreleased SRAM e bike motor yeah. may occupy. Yeah. So if you look at the, um, or Bear Rise, that does use a Shimano EP8, but it's one that's been detuned. Detuned? Um, yes. Uh, where they've taken out uh, 20 or 25 newton meters worth of, of torque from it. Um, uh, but it's it is basically an EPA. Um, the TQ one is interesting. It works on a slightly different system to the other ones as well, and is said to be incredibly, um, you know, very low maintenance and incredibly efficient. And I think that's where these smaller motors really need to make their mark is is the efficiency and the, mm. the electrical efficiency of them um, to make sure that you know if you're running a much smaller battery, you know sort of 50, 60% of a normal big battery that you still get as much juice out of them as possible as efficiently as you can. At Outback Steakhouse, your wish is our command. Back by popular demand, steak and lobster at a special price starting at $19.99. Come enjoy our bold centre-cut sirloin seasoned with our signature blend of 17 spices and paired with a buttery, succulent lobster tail. Hurry into Outback Steakhouse where your steak and lobster wishes come true at a price you can't miss. Steak and Lobster, starting at $19.99. No rules, just right. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, do keep your eyes peeled. The Trek Fuel EXE, as I said, we've already got a first ride review on site from Robin Weaver, a stalwart of the podcast, and we're hoping to get a pivot in soon for tests. So keep your eyes on site if you are interested in these two bikes. I'm sure they'll be very popular. Now we're going to go on to the non-assisted side of things with the revamped Uno 
Dash. Now, Uno is quite an interesting brand based out of Barcelona that previously only offered its bikes in very, very limited runs. They're all handmade in Barcelona, which is quite unusual for uh, carbon manufacturing. And uh, apart from that, they're sort of defined by their quite radical looks, we could mm. say, Tom. Yeah, I mean, the, the man behind uh, Uno is a guy called Cesar Rojo, who's a Spanish guy. So Cracking he, accent, and that was very good, very, <laughs> very convincing. Actually fluent. Um, if you've not sort of heard of him uh, before, that's it's kind of he's one of the unsung heroes of uh, where we are now in with modern geometry bikes, because he was the man behind Mondraker um, and the design of their frames and, and their push towards this thing called forward geometry, which and Mondraker were pretty much the first people to do long, slack, low geometries with short stems and they they Even really the mainstream. Yeah, they they absolutely revolutionized mainstream mountain bike geometry. Um going back I think I looked on site. We've got uh, an interview with Cesar from 2009 on Bike Radar. That's ancient history in cycling tech. Um, but he, you know, he moved on from Mondraka um, and started Uno a few years ago. And they make incredibly, I was going to say beautiful, but obviously beauty is in the eye of the beholder and all that. The, it's, it's divisive mm-hmm. in its aesthetic. Um, it's got an incredibly low slung top tube, so the top tube slopes down to where it meets the seat tube. So it's of. basically like a down tube. It's yeah, it's basically yeah. The the, the down tube and the top tube are almost parallel, um, and then it's got a, like a long seat mast. Um, but yeah, it, it's a very unique looking bike, and because they're now building those frames in Taiwan uh, and finishing the whole process over in Germany, etc., they're now no longer in fifty bike runs. Mm. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we ever see any of these on the trail because they're certainly boutique. Yes, very very boutique. But you know, perhaps it speaks to the brand wishing to scale up if they are. Mm. Uh, looking at sort of overseas manufacturing. Envy said a very similar thing when we did the interview with yeah. them as part of the podcast, where is normally a question of um, capacity rather than anything else when considering where to produce your bikes. And I suspect that's probably a similar uh, discussion with them. I mean, looking at the bike, one thing that really struck me is just how integrated and neat it is. Now, I think it's partly because this bike is built with a SRAM uh, access group set, so we've got no derailleur cables. But nonetheless, the integrated... Um, one-piece cockpit is sort of reminiscent of the likes of Scott, but I don't know. There's just something quite, uh, it's very quite, clean, quite charming it? about this bike. Yeah, that's a, it, the one thing it does do is really highlight the the uh, access shifter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you uh, if you're on the bike radar article, if you scroll down to uh, the geometry section, there's a picture of the front of the bike, and there's just this big blob. Of shifter hanging <laughs> underneath the bars, it's just such a shame <laughs> because it, I really, I think the the mountain bike world is crying out for like a, maybe a aftermarket, um, really very sleek access shifter design, and not just for the shifters but also for the reverb. Can you imagine like a a single speed mountain bike um, with like a you know like a a sprint shifter style mm. um, reverb dropper? It'd be, it'd be beautiful. Incidentally, um, when I was at Eurobike, I noticed that Magura system, that was still being pushed as sort of like a possible OEM option for quite a lot of people. The Magura, a couple of years ago, introduced a fully integrated handlebar with mm. like the reservoir and everything mm. was actually inside the handlebar. Now, I can't imagine any bike mechanics listening will be pleased to hear this, <laughs> but I, uh, I think, uh, yeah, maybe future integration 
could make four cooler bikes yeah, or yeah. bold words. Obviously, Danger Holm is is world renowned these days for his beautifully crafted and, and engineered bikes, and he has hacked some access shifters to hide the gubbins inside uh, mm-hmm. handlebars. But uh, maybe he should market that as his own little product. I don't know. He was actually at Eurobike as well, sporting his very, very, very short shorts. Yes, and very muscular thighs. Incredible. Um, but the, the, if you are interested in this, you know, you know it's called the Dash. Um, it's a 140mm, 150 forked uh, sort of trail-ish bike. And it sits alongside the Burn Enduro bike and the Boos Boss. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's B-O-O with an umlaut S which is their e-bike, which looks very similar again, you know, with your almost parallel top and down tubes and an extremely tall seat mast. Um, if we're going to be, uh, they do three sizes, S1, S2 and S3. That's, a lot of brands are going this way, you know, mm. Specialized have done, done that as well. well yeah. uh, but the one thing that interested me was the seat tube lengths, which Go I on, would then. say... Tell me why it's interesting. Well, so the S2, which I guess is sort of your medium large size it's probably the one that I would go for based off the reach figure of 470mm um, has a 460mm seat tube which in the world of 200mm dropper posts really is quite long I, I, I would probably struggle to have much more than a 150-ish seat tube, uh, uh, seat post on that on that size bike um, and I think the world's moved on from those mm. certainly in this sort of category of bikes I think you you need to have room for those 200mm droppers on a brand new super boutique very cool, progressively thought out mountain bike. Yeah, interesting. Well, perhaps it's a design decision behind it. I don't know. Maybe. Well, it, doesn't mean it's, it is a very tall seat mast. <laughs> they just need to chop it down a bit. Well, you could just do that yourself, yeah, Tom. Yeah. No, no problem. Get the hacks all out. Again, head to Bike Creator if you want to see that bike. It really is worth looking at. It is ju- it's... I don't know how to describe it. It's almost like a trials motorbike in sort of a steg, yeah, but with a seat yeah, mast, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, or some weird tra- a TT bike, maybe mm. a non-UCI um, TT bike with a tall seat mast. Fun. I'd like to ride one. I'd oh. really like to ride one. Well, we'll do our best. We'll ask. Put it on your Christmas list, Tom. Sure. Uh, now we're going to move on to the release of some new tubeless sealant from Pirelli. Now, in itself, that doesn't sound like the most exciting thing in the world. It really doesn't. Well, it is, Tom. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> Pirelli has released two new tubeless sealants, which the brand claims are designed specifically for road and gravel use and a mountain bike-specific tubeless sealant. The sealants are uh, different in formulation, and the P0 sealant, which is the road sealant, uses ammonia, latex, and micro-sealing particles, and is said to be better suited to the high pressures used in road and gravel tyres. It is also compatible with CO2 cartridges, so emergency uh, CO2 cartridges if you get a puncture. On the other hand, the uh, mountain bike sealant, or sorry, no, I've said this wrong, the mountain bike and gravel sealant, Mm -hmm. The Cinturato and Scorpion sealant. They are actually the same thing, but they're giving them different names, so it's just a bit clearer from a consumer's this point of view. To make it more simple, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> um, it's different and apparently isn't compatible with CO2. Um, the reason being is that CO2 can speed up coagulation, which will reduce how well it works over time. And this one is said to seal big, bigger holes better and is better suited to lower pressures. Now, we haven't tested the sealant, but I think it's interesting to see a divergence with sealant because prior to this, 
We've just banged the same old stuff in any old tyre. And it's true that while road tubeless can work very, very well, when it comes to actually sealing uh, mm. punctures, it's not always the best. I think the very high pressures involved tend to just shoot it all over your legs and your frame. So maybe there is something to be said for discipline-specific tubeless sealant. What uh, do uh, you think? I'd be interested to know if you can mix the P0 with the Cinturato. Oh my goodness, or, or Alchemist Tom over here. But, uh, only because of, uh, when I've been you know, gravel riding, and if I've been running slightly higher pressures in maybe a slightly narrower tyre, like a 40 or a 38, and I'm running sort of 40 to 45 PSI, I've really struggled for sealing to actually seal any of those punctures because, mm -hmm. as you say, the, the air pressure just forces it out onto my seat tube, onto mm -hmm. my onto my bum, uh, and makes a mess. Cards, <laughs> I should use my cards. And just makes a mess everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested. Yeah, if you, if you could mix the two maybe and, and concoct the perfect gravel sealant. Um. <laughs> gravel specific sealant. What a time to be alive. <laughs> oh, dear me. Um, yeah, I'd be intrigued to maybe try it, you know, unmixed, uh, the proper Cinturato one, just to see maybe if it does work a little bit better than some of the ones I've tried. What is your favourite tubeless sealant? Stans every time. Yeah, you're a Stans yeah, man. A Stans man, yeah. Mm. Um, just, there are other sealants out there that do work you know well and I know like Seb R.I.P now of Pinkbike <laughs> uh, he really liked the orange seal stuff mm -hmm. uh, but generally speaking yeah Stans or Schwalbe's Doc Blue which is the same exact style. same stuff um, but maybe a pound or two less um, yeah it's just just consistent just works maybe chuck a bit of race sealant in there if you want extra protection then yeah Mm, I've been using the WTB sealant recently, and as far as I can tell, it's very, very similar to the stands. But stands and orange seal with the other two. I've, I've mm. frequently used orange seals. Very good if you have quite porous sidewalls, mm. quite a lot of particulate matter in it. I think it's just one of those things. Stands. It's, it's kind of like Maxxis tires and and all that. You know, if you, if you were to to pick a bike tester's bike and you pick it up, it'd probably have Maxxis tires and it'd probably have stands in there because it's just what we all use. Yeah. Um, if you're interested to learn a little bit more about tubeless sealant, we did a good article a couple, I say we did, <laughs> I did a good article a couple of years ago looking at the environmental impact of tubeless sealant after mm. I spilled a big cup full of it out mm. in the middle of nowhere because I'd overfilled my tyre. Um, it's got some input from lots of different brands who produce sealant and uh, some of the answers might surprise you. Mm. Quite quite a good one. Also, we do have a buyer's guide to the best tubeless sealant on bikerader.com where we did some good testing, stabbing tyres with big old screwdrivers. Mm. Quite an entertaining video, uh, one well worth revisiting. I do think there's some interesting tubeless tech out and about. I know, I know we sort of uh, maybe threw shade on the world of tubeless sealant at the start of this little segment um, by joking about how interesting it was. But there are... The more you delve into it, there are more and more little products coming out there which are really there to sort of help with the whole mm -hmm. uh, tubeless thing. You know, like valves. Um, those valves you got Falmore. very enthused about? Yeah, I got very enthused about those reserve valve filled Have you valves. got them yet? I have. I've got them on a bike. Do you like them? They haven't clogged. Well, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 76 projects have got some funky little ones. Uh, there's all sorts of people coming out with interesting mm -hmm. little knickknacks. Knickknacks. <laughs> Hunt had a quite a good one where they claimed to have developed the world's perfect tubeless uh, tape. Tubeless tape. Wow. Uh, I think they were explaining that tubeless tape, when it was used, particularly on road bikes, had to be quite plasticky and brittle, so, yeah. so it could resist expanding uh, when uh, tires heated up or rims heated up, rather, with uh, rim braking. And they've made it a slightly more rubbery one, which sticks to itself better. I do. I do think it. I do think it's mad that in twenty twenty two with mature technology such as bicycles and bicycle tyres that we're still relying on sellotape <laughs> to seal our rims. And I know that, you know... USD, good old USD. Honestly, like I, I used some Mavic wheels in, in the last year. 
you know what? It works. Yeah. Like, there's no holes in the rim, so mm. air doesn't escape. Most of the problems people have setting up tubeless, really, is poor rim tape, because you're putting a bit of sellotape on a, on a metal rim. I've had this. I, I think it's mad. I think retaping tubeless uh, rims is one of my least favourite jobs, mm. but unfortunately, often fixes the issues. Yeah. Particularly on road bikes, if you've left them unridden for a while, and the uh, tyres make their way into the rim well, and then it just kind of peels the sealant, um, the tape rather, from the edge. It's incredibly annoying. Fulcrum wheels, they also are uh, sealed beds. Fulcrum and um, oh, yeah. Campag. Campag mm. wheels, they're sealed beds. I think we should all just adopt the UST. I think every wheel builder should just be forced. Pay Mavic one penny per rim. <laughs> I've negotiated it. And then we could all just live in tubeless heaven because it tubeless works. <laughs> Right, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Uh, finally, we're going to wrap things up with the release, official release of the new Cervelo S5. Of course, ridden to victory by Jonas Vingegaard. Jonas Vingegaard. I, I just thought, well, should we do a spoiler alert? But it has <laughs> been quite a few weeks. Um, it's the brand's flagship aero bike. It's seen some quite, to be honest, quite subtle updates compared to the old bike, but they primarily are based around increased tyre clearance. Um now, I've had a little sneaky preview at the uh, full review of this bike from Simon Von Bromley, which might actually be out by the time this podcast comes out. Um, but he thinks it's all added up to make a bike which is overall more practical and possibly even faster than the outgoing bike. Tom, your most basic assessment, what do you think of the new Cervelo S5? I've always been a fan of um, Cervelo's bikes. Not that I've ridden many of them, but I think they always look incredibly sorted. I think they're just one of those brands that have got... The whole package sort of sewn up. Um, I, I quite like the. I'm just looking at you. If you look at the frame profile itself, you know it's got that funky fork where there's mm -hmm. like a little uh, join between the, the bottom and the top of the fork. Into Almost it. like a dual crown fork. Yeah, almost. yeah. But I think they call it a hinged fork hinged in the road bike fork. world. It looks great. You know, moves into that sort of uh, semi or integrated uh, stem on handlebar. And then I, I always like bikes where the seat tube has a little radius around the rear wheel. It just looks like tight and aggressive and stiff and, and you know, efficient. Um, so, yeah, the, the one thing I don't like about the bike, though, actually, is that there's like a little wheel cut out on the uh, the down tube, which sort of spoils the, the nice, thick, aero-looking down tube. Well, it does make for what the brand claims to be a faster bike overall, saving 8.45 watts at 48 kilometres an hour or 30 miles an hour, according to... Cervelo. The other thing I noticed um, in reading this story, um, obviously I, I do concentrate more on the old mountain bike side of things, but I keep my eye in, you know, with the old road bikes, uh, is the, the chat of the new Reserve uh, 5263 wheel set. Sorry, it's my phone. The one thing I did notice, uh, you know, with this bike and within the store, and I, I do keep my eye in on the old road bikes, even though I ride mountain bikes predominantly, uh, was the, the use of the, the new Reserve 5263 wheel set. So um, Reserve certainly at least up until this point has always been uh, in inverted commas Santa Cruz's uh, wheel line so that's a, a mountain bike brand um, but both Cervelo and Santa Cruz are owned by POM Holdings who also own um, Focus yes oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Focus yeah. Yeah, yeah there yeah. we go uh, and so obviously um, Reserve you know, which had been sort of like a sub-brand of, of Santa Cruz is now maybe being broadened out into its reach uh, across various other brands. Yeah. Well, there's plenty more on that bike. I don't want to give away too much, too many spoilers, but do keep your eyes peeled for the full review from Simon Von Bromley. It's a great read. Got some really interesting thoughts around the increased tyre clearance in particular. And uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And keep your eyes peeled as well on the YouTube channels. I believe there will be some videos coming on that bike very soon. 
That's all we've got today for the Bike Radar News Roundup. As always, if you have any feedback, please drop that into our new podcast inbox. That email address is podcast at bikeradar.com. Who could have guessed it? We do always like to hear your feedback. And if you think we deserve a cheeky five-star rating, please give it to us on your chosen podcast provider of choice. Tom Marvin, a pleasure to have you back in the podcast, holding the tiller of audio content on bikeradar.com. And I look forward to seeing what you've got up your sleeve for the next few months on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be back, Jack. Thanks for listening and speak again soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.